Morning Sunday Digest, an award-winning public affairs presentation of 99.5 WGAR. Get ready for a half hour of interesting conversation with veteran Cleveland broadcaster Ken Robinson. And now, here's Ken and Sunday Digest. And good morning to you. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Digest. Glad to have you along this morning. Today, our topic is transportation. We're going to hear from the Cleveland man who goes everywhere without a car. Also, getting around on your boat, we'll have the latest on boating safety. And when you go out on your boat, don't forget to bring along sunscreen. The Cleveland Indians are joining forces with the Cleveland Clinic to warn us about the dangers of skin cancer. They're urging us to take precautions when out in the sun. Indians pitcher Bob Whitman says that means wearing sunscreen and getting a skin checkup. He got one. A person just standing here looking at me might not see too much, but they take a nice picture and it really showed up. There was a lot of freckles in that. And I know that maybe I've been lucky so far, but in the future that I know I have to keep using more sunscreen. Wickman says as a player, he's out in the sun a lot, and that's not good. For the players, you know, we're in the sun almost every day and that, but, you know, if I can take it home, you know, and tell my kids, you know, I've always been pretty concerned about that. I have a little girl and she's blonde, she's got real light skin. And um, she burns kind of easy. The little boy has got a little darker skin. All the things that they've told me today and knowing that my um, father-in-law and grandfather each have had skin cancer and a little taken out in that, I've been kind of informed on it by them on how ways to use suntan lotion. Cleveland Indians pitcher Bob Wickman. Cleveland Clinic dermatologist Dr. Wilma Bergfeld. The American people as well as the international people are facing an epidemic of skin cancer. In the United States we know that there are more than a million cases a year and one out of five persons are going to have skin cancer. We're using the Cleveland Indians as our role models for the public. If they will shield themselves and tell the public about it, we think that it will get an important message to the public. Dr. Bergfeld says people don't realize what a threat skin cancer is. That people don't take sun and skin cancer and aging of the skin, which is also induced by over sun exposure, seriously because they like the sun. It's a time of recreation. They're out in it and some haven't gotten the message. And she says it's a growing problem. Skin cancer is more prevalent today due to the fact that the sun is stronger than it ever was and again it affects all skin types. The lighter skin people being more affected than the dark but all skin types are at risk. So when is it the best time to be outdoors? As the sun dips and is not overhead it gets to be a 45 degree angle to the the earth, you have less sun damage when you're exposed to that kind of sun. The shadow rule, you must cast a shadow when you go out in the sun if you are to be safe when you're outside. Cleveland Clinic dermatologist Dr. Wilma Bergfeld telling us about the dangers of skin cancer. This is Sunday Digest. Here's Ken Robinson. Now that you have your sunscreen on, let's go boating on jet skis. A lot of people are using jet skis these days, but they aren't getting the proper training first. Joining us now is Matthew Basie Jr., founder of the American Safe Boating Academy in Huron. Captain Basie, your group offers jet ski training. Why is such training so important? Uh, they have quite a bit of speed. And so when someone takes on the responsibility of operating a personal watercraft, unless they have the appropriate training, they may become an annoyance or nuisance to those who may be other enjoying the water but not operating a, a, a unit like this. Now, for so many years, people assumed that uh, uh, crafts like, like jet skis and, and even boats, uh, you didn't need any training. You just bought it and got in it and learned on, on the job, so to speak. Well, that's, uh, that's true. And I, I guess uh, Ohio was one of, recently has made some uh, moves forward to 
kind of bring about a greater a more a greater amount of education required. Other states moved forward several years ago. You know, as a matter of fact, when personal watercraft were, was originally introduced, um, they did not require an OH number. They were more of a uh, looked at as a uh, toy or a, a machine that was used only during the day in, in confined areas. And what they discovered is that the personal watercraft, as uh, versatile as they are, uh, needed to be uh, under the current rules of operation that the Coast Guard and the other regulatory agencies have on the water. And in the last few years, uh, you needed now you need now to register the personal watercraft as any other craft, and actually put an OH number or a state identification and federal identification number on the personal watercraft or jet ski. Now, in addition to the noise that jet skis can cause, are there any other hazards that may uh, pose a risk? Well, absolutely. Uh, one of the other items that uh, we needed to address uh, was that the personal watercraft uh, can go an excessive speed. Some of them can reach as high as 65 miles per hour. Uh, that's uh, very, very fast on water. Um, and what happens is that if you, uh, even at a, a lower speed, if you get too close to people who are in the water, like swimming, enjoying the water, um, you, you have a tendency, uh, because of the glare, not to be able to see them, uh, and an accident can occur. Uh, another popular aspect of the personal watercraft that people were doing was they were uh, going behind uh, like a powerboat, and they wanted to take advantage of the wake that engine was creating from the powerboat and, and what they called jump the wake. Um, the difficulty with doing that uh, was that it was, it was a great deal of fun. However, in, in many cases, you weren't able to see the boat coming on the opposite side, and an accident would occur. And there are no second chances with personal watercraft. If you are struck either by a personal watercraft or you strike another vessel or two watercraft, personal watercraft strike, strike each other, what occurs is that... Uh, someone is going to become seriously injured or, or, may, or may die. And um, these are the kind of things we needed to address uh, in regards to the personal watercraft themselves within our boating safety program. Now, what are the, the, the rules of the road? Are there rules of the road in using uh, these kinds of crafts, just like there are rules of the road for driving cars? Uh, yes. Uh, the rules of the road, I, I guess the better example is that there have been rules of the road called coal rigs, which were designed uh, by the United States Coast Guard. Uh, they're, very, they're, they're the same throughout the country, so they're standard. They now apply the rules of the road that, you, that have been available and are available uh, to powerboats now generally apply to personal watercraft. So that in a no-wake zone, you are, as a responsible operator, you do not create a wake um, in an area whereby there would be hazardous for you to operate a personal watercraft, then you obviously need to take a, a heed of that and uh, not operate it in that area. Uh, in addition, uh, with the new rules on personal watercraft operation, in order to, uh, uh, to pass a boat or take advantage of the wake of a boat, uh, you really can't go, the rule is you have to stay within 100 feet of that vessel. So uh, coming up close to the vessel and taking advantage of a larger wake is now against the rules. In addition, uh, it does not permit you any further to become airborne, 
which many personal, graft, personal watercraft were doing, they were actually leaving the water surface in jumping wakes. So that has now that rule has now been in place. Now, let's say somebody just bought a personal watercraft, and they come to the American Safe Boating Academy and say, "Hey, I want to be schooled in the in the proper operation of this vehicle." What can you do for them? Well, what we do is um, uh, actually we take it a step further than uh, the entire program is a step further than anyone else in the country is currently doing. Our program begins with the personal watercraft out of the water. We actually uh, take a student through the mechanics of what a jet ski or personal watercraft does, how it's propelled, um, how it takes in its water, uh, and the type of engines being used to fuel, as well as its composition, what is it made out of, um, and how do you steer it. That's all done before the personal watercraft is actually in the water. Once we enter the water, um, and prior to the actual operation, we actually go through with the students the rules of the road and the proper use of life jackets. Uh, after that is uh, completed in our studies, in our classroom studies, we then, with, the, uh, with a uh, boating safety instructor, the student is able then to operate a personal watercraft on the waterways that where we're doing our instruction. We pick the waterways that has the greatest or at least as much information as possible in regards to signage and lights um, and also the boys and uh, other items that may be available where one could learn the signs and see what they look like firsthand versus looking at a picture in a book. So now the, uh, the individual student, not only knowing how this unit goes and what it's composed of, has now an, uh, an idea of how to operate it, what the speed control um, as well as how does it affect other boaters uh, when it's in operation. And then the practical application is uh, seeing the lights and seeing the day signs uh, that allow you to operate it safely within a channel while you're among other boats. And uh, this is an area that we have chosen to move on that's not done anywhere else in this country. How can folks uh, get in touch with you if they want to sign up? Uh, they may uh, reach us through our 800 uh, toll-free line of 1-800-951-6288. Um, that's 1-800-951-6288. Or they may um, reach us through our Internet uh, site. We have a, a, a comprehensive Internet page at uh, www.americansafeboating.org. We want to thank you for chatting with us. Thank you, Ken, for having me this morning. Captain Matthew Basie, Jr., the creator of the American Safe Boating Foundation, which operates the American Safe Boating Academy in Huron. He was talking to us about watercraft safety. You're listening to Sunday Digest with Ken Robinson. Now let's shift gears and talk about cars. We hear a lot about road rage, but according to a recent study, Greater Cleveland is one of the best cities for motorists. Joining us now is Bill Heenan, president of the Steel Alliance, which is a trade association for steel manufacturers. Bill, first of all, why did a steel group conduct a survey about road rage? Well, uh, when we look at our nerves of steel survey, which we've done for three years, we did it because of our close association with um, automotive safety. I mean, when you think of uh, safety in your car, you think of that steel frame that keeps you uh, safe in, in the case of a collision. And being steel is the last line of defense, we thought that, you know, it was our uh, job to really promote 
a public awareness campaign to look at how people can be less aggressive on the roads and whether or not they're aggressive at all. So what we tried to do is do a survey where we asked people what they considered was aggressive driving. For an example, do you consider going 10 miles over the speed limit aggressive driving, cutting in at the last second on a merge uh, ramp, um, maybe speeding up when the light turns yellow so you can get through before it goes red, honking your horn and uh, things of that nature, or, or moving from one lane to another without signaling your move. Those were all items that uh, Americans and, and people living across America as well as in Cleveland indicated to us that was aggressive driving. Those kind of habits they felt was very aggressive and caused people to become aggressive when they saw it. And what we then asked was, well, okay, what, uh, what do you think uh, on those items? Have you done any of those in the last 30 or 60 days? And what we found is in, in America there's a lot of Jekyll and Hyde's after they tell you that this is aggressive and this is aggressive and this is aggressive, they have to admit that, you know, they're right there doing those kind of things themselves. How did, uh, how did Ohioans uh, fare up in the uh, study? Well, Cleveland did real well. I mean, Cleveland probably, uh, when you look at all the statistics, is one of the most likely places to, in the United States to say that their town is very safe to drive in. Uh, they're much safer than towns such as Washington, Miami, and Boston. Uh, they tied for the lead with Detroit uh, as being the most, uh, most safe of all the communities we looked at. And what was even nicer is Cleveland got an A in the rudeness ranking, where we asked them, how rude are the drivers that you uh, meet on the road every day? Uh, Clevelandites felt that their uh, fellow drivers were pretty, um, pretty much uh, courteous and uh, really were less aggressive than any other place in the United States. Wow, not bad. Uh, how, how did Cleveland rank up uh, with other Ohio cities? Did you survey other cities? No, we, we did major cities. Uh, for an example, Boston flunked and led as the most aggressive place uh, with a big F, and they also led the rudeness ranking with an F as well. Miami came in second to last uh, with a D in safety and an F in rudeness. Uh, Washington, D.C. had a double D. L.A., which you would think would be an area where you might see a leadership role in aggressive driving with all the bottlenecks uh, that go on in L.A., but in reality, L.A. got a nice C, uh, you know, right in the middle on the safety grade, although they did feel that there was a little more rudeness going on. And rudeness really came back to, uh, you know, rude gestures, horn honking, things of that nature. And what we're trying to do through this public service arrangement here, Ken, is really get the message out that if you could stay calm behind the wheel, if you can plan ahead where your trip is going to be and obey the speed limits, identify an alternate route just in case there's construction in the route that you were taking. Uh, and it's okay to be late. That's another thing that we try to get across, that if you just um, think about it, and if you're five minutes late, that's not going to hurt anything. And when you consider one out of six fatalities on our roads today comes from aggressive driving, you can see that this is something that really you should take serious. And we at the steel industry, being the last line of defense, don't want you to use that steel frame to protect yourself, but want you to know it's there. But you should still buckle up with your seatbelt, keep your eyes on the road, your hands on the wheel, and you know what? Follow the golden rule. Let somebody in uh, when he's merging. Let someone move from the right to the left if he has to take a left-hand turn and so on and so forth. Any uh, ideas to, uh, or any information on how... Uh how many Clevelanders admit to, to doing aggressive acts? Well, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, uh, uh, Cleveland was interesting in the sense that uh, the national average felt that 20, uh, 39% of the people admitted to using cell phones, for an example, last 
last month. In Cleveland, only one out of four, or 25%. So it's dramatically lower than the national average, as you can see, from 39 down to 25. Um, we can look at other statistics. You know, I mean, double parking, for an example. And the national average uh, said that that was very aggressive, and 59% of people said that was aggressive. In Cleveland, only 50% said that was aggressive. And if you look at uh, speed, speeding, 61% of, the, uh, of Americans say that that's an aggressive act, whereas in the Midwest we saw a much lower uh, number, and in Cleveland it was only 50%. Uh, and you can look at other statistics as well, but basically what we found in Cleveland is that uh, you know, they're basically much more uh, feeling of safety on the roads with their fellow drivers than we see in L.A., Boston, Miami, and, and Washington, D.C., now, is it that uh, Clevelanders feel they're better drivers than other folks around the country, or are they actually better drivers? Well, it's hard to tell if they're better, you know, on the actual side. What, they, what they're telling us is that they not only feel that they are better drivers, but they also feel that their peers, that is, everybody else on the road, are better drivers than the average, which is very, you know, very important because... It's not, you know, everybody thinks they're the best driver in the world, but then we all have to admit that, well, yeah, I guess I was, um, yeah, I did go through that yellow light that uh, was just turning red, and I did, uh, you know, I was doing that 41 and that 30. Uh, but in Cleveland, it, there is a, a, a feeling not only that I'm a good driver, uh, but also that those people around me are good drivers, and therefore they're less aggressive. There's less horn honking, uh, there's less rude gestures and things of that nature. So that's, those are key items to tell you that Clevelandites are, are pretty safe drivers. So we're pretty much a haven from road rage, huh? Yeah, you take Cleveland, Chicago, and Detroit. If we could duplicate those three cities and throw them around the United States, uh, road rage would go away. Any idea why uh, Clevelanders are, are such good drivers? I think it's um, a couple factors. Um, factor number one, I think, uh, that is the construction uh, you know, many cities that got uh, dismal rec records had uh, huge construction projects, which also push people, uh, you know, into an aggressive state. I think that, um, I guess the other thing that we look at, at uh, in Cleveland and other cities is you have a real good interstate and uh, delivery system to downtown as well as out to the suburbs, uh, which some other cities, uh, you know, if you look at cities like Washington, D.C. and Boston, uh, their delivery system, uh, that is their interstate system to get people out of the downtown area and in, into the suburbs and vice versa, is not as good as Cleveland's, is not as good as Chicago's. And so what we see is the better the highway system, the better uh, the rating here. Um, and then I guess the other side of the equation is what we see is a trend that the Midwestern cities from Cleveland, like I said, to Dallas, uh, seem to be a little more polite and cur courteous than uh, our friends on the coast. So this is good news. We ought to sit back, enjoy it, and, of course, there's always room for improvement. Well, there's always room for improvement. Uh, we, this is why we thank you, Ken, for helping us get this message out, because this is, this is good news, but we're starting part of the uh, year where more and more people are on the road. So the, you know, the rule number one is, first and foremost, don't become an aggressive driver yourself. Be courteous. If you see something that is um, you know, really uh, uh, an out outrageous, uh, aggressive driving act. Report it to your local authorities. And remember, that steel frame's there to protect you, but you don't want to use it. You want to be uh, uh, careful and polite and courteous and make sure you buckle up. Well, sounds good. Good advice. Bill Heenan, president of the Steel Alliance, a group that's conducted Nerves of Steel, a study of road rage and driving conditions around the country.
I'm Ken Robinson, and you're listening to Sunday Digest on FM 99.5 WGAR. Suppose you want to leave the car behind and travel around town up close and personal. Well, our next guest does just that. Dominic Liberator is with Alt-Trans Cleveland, a group that encourages people to travel without a car. They have a book out called Car Free Cleveland. First of all, Dominic, I understand you don't even own a car. And uh, before we get to that, I want you to tell us about Alt-Trans Cleveland. What are you and what do you do? We have two purposes. Our first purpose, um, our book which is our first project entitled Car Free in Cleveland, is to educate people about their transportation options and allow them to be more, have better mobility. Our second project is called Rack and Roll. Um, we've been working with all the transit agencies across northeast Ohio to have bike racks on their buses. That way people have better transportation options. All right. Now you have a new book out called Car Free in Cleveland. Yes. What is Car Free all about, even though I, I can kind of guess a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> Car Free is an idea that we got from a book called Car Free in Boston, and it is geared towards people who would like to be able to travel and not be auto-dependent. It includes uh, communities where you can walk to where you need to get to your employment or you can walk to the grocery store. It includes uh, biking information, how to uh, take bike routes to downtown Cleveland, and it includes uh, transit agency information uh, for all the transit agencies throughout Northeast Ohio. And it also includes Amtrak and Greyhound information, how to get to Pittsburgh economically, how to get to Alliance, how to go to Cedar Point and Sandusky and not have to drive. It's your one-stop shopping guide to traveling without a car. Why would someone want to travel Cleveland without a car? Mm -hmm. We believe if you go out and, let's say, theoretically, you owned a bike and you purchased a monthly RTA pass or your employer purchased it for you, um, it reduces pollution, it's better exercise, and it's uh, very cost-effective. But is it convenient? In most situations, it is. There's a lot of places you can get to um, in a reasonable amount of time. It's really easy to get downtown in most situations. You can take yourself to the neighborhood transit stop. You can hop on a bus line, or hopefully fairly soon, if you live some distance from a bus line, you could bike to the bus line and put your bike on the bus. How does Cleveland rank as far as getting around on transit and alternative modes of transportation? Um, we are the... Uh, the city of Cleveland has the 13th largest transit system in the country. What about uh, folks that uh, maybe uh, they, they need to get to a place like Parma and they live in Solon? There's a lot of distance in between there, and traveling across town seems to be a bit of a problem. Um, suburb to suburb commutes are uh, fairly challenging, and that's one of the reasons we've been working with RTA uh, to actually improve the efficiency in which the way people travel where you can um, once again bike to a bus stop which could be some distance from your home take the bus across town and let's say you live a mile or you work a mile or two from the bus stop where you could take the bus across town take your bike off the bus and bike to your endpoint that's one aspect of improving people's choices Traveling from suburb to suburb uh, definitely, in some situations, takes more time. 
but there are certain situations where you are able to travel just as efficiently uh, time-wise than you are when you drive. Any other tricks to getting around town without a car? Um, inside of our book, we have a list of things called Top 10 Car-Free Myths, which um, explains little things that you can do to make your life more productive and not have to drive. Interesting enough, one of the best things about our book is there's a little note that says currently uh, to travel within the immediate area. What most people don't know is that there is Amtrak rail service that goes from Cleveland to Pittsburgh that costs about $15 a day, and it travels in the daytime. That's a very good example of a tidbit that most people don't know. I hear travel to uh, Chicago on Amtrak is pretty cheap, too. Yes, you could do it for, I believe, currently... If you buy your ticket off the web from Amtrak's website, it's uh, significantly cheaper than flying in some situations. What about other modes of transportation that we usually don't think of? Uh, within our book, we have things listed in how to take Greyhound or how to take a Akron Metal shuttle bus that goes from downtown Cleveland to downtown Akron. One thing that's really nice that most people don't know, if you're traveling to, let's say, Cedar Point, you can take Amtrak to Cedar Point. Uh, very fast and efficiently and cheaply. Now, where do you like to go when, when you're using alternative transportation? Do you have any uh, favorite uh, modes of transportation and favorite destinations? Um, I live in Shaker Heights, and I travel downtown, and I bike to uh, my gym, which is in University Circle. Um, I travel to school that way, and I, I use alternative transportation every day because I don't have a car. Don't have a car, and you get around town just fine. Yes, I do very well. I guess the cost savings is pretty pretty big. Actually, uh, the cost savings are pretty substantial. It, theoretically, it saves me probably six to seven hundred dollars a month in uh, having a monthly car payment and insurance and such. Now, what happens if uh, someone says, "Oh, we need to get together for a meeting in uh, Macedonia, <laughs> and and we need you to be there uh, this afternoon"? How do you how do you work that? I'd probably uh, just run downtown real quick and hop in a taxi right at Public Square. And it's cheaper than uh, driving? As long as I don't have a meeting every day in Macedonia, in most situations, yes, it is cheaper. What about the availability of cabs? Do you ever have any trouble getting a cab, or is, uh, are they, they you know, pretty, uh, pretty much everywhere? You could be... Um, the best place to get a cab in the city of Cleveland is right at Public Square, and then um, on the weekends... You can uh, get a cab pretty much anywhere within the immediate downtown area. Inside our book, we have listed on the front page uh, phone numbers for all the cab companies in uh, Northeast Ohio. Well, thanks a lot. Really appreciate the interview. You're welcome. Thank you. Dominic Liberator of All Trans Cleveland, a group that encourages people to travel about town without a car. And that's our show for today. I want to thank you for listening. Stay tuned. More great conversation is coming up with Ted Lux and Community Forum right here on WGAR. This has been Sunday Digest with WGAR's Ken Robinson, a public affairs presentation of 99.5 WGAR. The views and opinions expressed on the show were those of the participants and not necessarily those of WGAR, its staff and management. Join us next week for another edition of Sunday Digest. This show is brought to you by Panoramic Lifestyle Clothing. Panoramic, a vision moves in all directions. Based in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, 
Panoramic is set to be the hottest up-and-coming streetwear brand, featuring the most distinctive t-shirts ever created. Check out our extensive collection at plclothing.store. Not just a brand, but a movement to inspire a goal-oriented lifestyle, a goal to have a vision and stick to it. Panoramic Lifestyle Clothing at plclothing.store.